Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. All right, Professor Maria Framup is an associate professor in the Department of Religious Studies at the University of Johannesburg to unpack the origins of the practices of fasting. Good afternoon, and thank you so much for making the time to talk to us. Professor Framup, hi. Hello, and hello to your listeners. So, so let's talk about the origins of fasting. So fasting is very interesting because we see it in so many of the really ancient religions. So, for example, in Hinduism, one of the oldest known religions, um, fasting plays an integral role in religious practice, either by giving up meat as a form of fasting or by actually giving up eating a particular meal and then taking that food to the temple and offering it to the gods. Mm But another one of the religions where we also find fasting is within Judaism and all sorts of different rules and regulations about what food you eat when. And so in many different um, world religions, food plays a really important role as an outward expression of a kind of inward sense of spirituality. So um, you align yourself to a particular religion Um, by following the food practices of that religion, avoiding certain food and fasting, i.e. not eating particular foods or not eating at all at particular holy times. And in all these religions, um, so Christianity included, uh, fasting is understood as a way to bring you closer to God and a way to get God to hear your prayers. So, so do we know, you know, who initiated this idea of using food as your connection to a higher source or a higher power, whichever religion it is? So in, in none of the religions, there is one particular person. Mm. Um, so in the story of the origins of Judaism, We have um, Moses received the Ten Commandments, and then those Ten Commandments are developed further by varying leaders within the community, and in that are all the regulations around food. In Hinduism, we had the Vedic texts, which are um, about 5,000 years old, written by different priests, and they talk about fasting. Um, within Buddhism, we have the Buddha who fasted and, you know, famously just before he was enlightened, was eating three grains of rice. Um, and there, because he is the founder of the religion, he also finds he is also the founder of particular practices around food. Mm. Interesting. And, and, yeah. and, and what what exactly is it that that connects the, I suppose, the fasting to the spirit because it's also the i suppose also in in african tradition as well yeah so the idea is um that by giving up something mm-hmm. by giving up something that is essential for your own life mm-hmm. you are doing a number of different things on the one hand you are invoking mm-hmm. the divine or the spirit mm-hmm. you are saying Listen to me. Mm-hmm. This, this is really an important issue for me. It's so important that I am giving up something essential. Ah, okay. Secondly, it's a way to show your devotion because you're making your life uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
Very often, it's also a way to align yourself to others who are struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, so within Christianity, we're going through this season of Lent, um, where Christians will often give up um, certain food types. And normally, you're encouraged to give up the luxuries. So, um, you know, the oldest practices around this is that you would eat just bread and drink water Mm -hmm. for the 40 days of Lent. Mm -hmm. Um, And with that, you are also aligning yourself to those who suffer and most of all to Jesus and his suffering that he went through. Mm -hmm. Um, So there there are multiple different um, aspects to fasting, but on the whole, most religions understand fasting as a way to um, get the divine to hear you and as a way to prove to the divine just how serious your request or your prayer is. Uh, Prof, I'm going to ask that we take a break because we've got to take a, a, an ad break and then we'll open the lines if you don't mind on 011-714-2006 and uh, WhatsApp uh, notes can also come on 0614-104-107. We'll continue this conversation after this. At SFM Radio and at Pimelo Mutile on Twitter. Thank you so much for staying with us. We're discussing origins of fasting with Professor Maria um, from ARP, who is an associate professor in the Department of Religious Studies at the University of Johannesburg. Thanks once again for staying with us, Prof. Do we know if we, we are able to trace the fasting practice way back even, you know, during Stone Age? Or do we even have um, some sort of tracing of it with with animals, primitive animals? Do we know if that's something that was done? So we, I personally have no idea whether there was something done with primitive animals. Mm -hmm. Um, We definitely know from archaeological evidence of Stone Age people Mm. that there were definitely times when they ate more of certain foods than other times, mm-hmm. um, and that that practice was very dependent on the season. Yes. And what you notice with a lot of religions is that their food practices often mirror the season. Ah, okay. So we are in the season of Lent at the moment yes. in Christianity, yes. but Christianity comes um, from originally the Middle East, um, where at the moment they are at the end of winter. Mm -hmm. So it is a time of real food shortage Mm. leading up to Easter, where it will be a much greater season of abundance. Mm -hmm. And you see that in a lot of religious practices, Mm. that um, often the food practices, Mm -hmm. so fasting, feasting mm-hmm. um, are very closely linked to the seasons of the year. Mm-hmm. All right. I, I believe we've got a voice note. Let's just play one or two voice notes, um, Prof. And to you and the listeners, Islam is a way of life. We fast for 30 days, sometimes 29, to bring in our Christmas. We do that as a sacrifice. It's strengthening your mind and on the same level, making your body understand that it can do without food for the entire day. We get up early in the morning to observe fast and we break fast in the late afternoon, evening. 
it's a wonderful thing to do for yourself. Thank you so much from chapter two. Hi Pimelo, this is Fabian. I am sending the voice from Greenside. Uh, I believe that fasting is not only about food. Fasting has us Christian. We can still fast even to deny ourselves uh, as the speaker is just saying something which is essential like other couples can deny themselves sex or others can even deny themselves sleeping on a luxury bed or lying on the ground or even wearing something so nice, just making yourself denying something which is very special to you or perfuming or something. So it, 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 it's all at different level. Thank you. Hi, this is Ray from Clava. Um, when it comes to trying to get God to listen to you, I think it should be the other way around. God's ears are always open. It's we who need to be still and dispense with all the distractions. And some foods can definitely cause a distraction. So we dispense with all the distractions so that we can be still and hear his still small voice, which is the way he prefers to talk to us. Otherwise he'd have to shout at us through more difficult circumstances. Interesting concept, Professor Pramap, um, the idea of using fasting as, as a mechanism to, to be still. Yes, and that is a very important part mm. of fasting um, and particularly in Christianity now during Lent. Mm-hmm. Um, it, some people still practice it, but um, particularly in monastic houses, mm. uh, people would do away with the meal and they would rather spend the time in silence mm. than in eating. And that was really about listening to God. Mm. So, you know, as all the different um, callers were saying, a big part of fasting is um, trying to cut the distractions out of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, Muslim uh, person put it so beautifully when he was saying, you know, uh, show the body that it, mm-hmm. it can go without this food. Mm-hmm. That's a very important part of fasting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about acknowledging that my strength comes from God. Mm-hmm. Um, God sustains me. And um, so, you know, many different people, especially in our contemporary world, um, use fasting in different ways. So for some people, the focus is very much on listening to God. For other people, the focus can be very much on pleading for God because you are praying, praying for peace or praying for the end of COVID. As I know, there are many um different Christian communities and the ones that I study in my research that have committed this Lent to a prayer for the end of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in all these different things, the idea is to draw you closer to God. I've got some more voice notes, Prof. Afternoon, Pamela. This is Justice Mwepe from Bolugwane. Unfortunately, I cannot do fasting when listening to SAFM. I will always tune in. But I just want to find out, is it a myth or is it a fact that one's prayer can only be heard when you are actually fasting? Uh, are we supposed to be receiving blessings from God by... Uh, putting us in a risky condition. I mean, you go the whole seven days without eating anything, 
without uh, having intimacy to your partner is it a myth or is it just a fact <laughs> great question prof right so um obviously we know that the body can't go for more than um three days without water mm-hmm. and can't go for more than 30 days without food mm. um and when you look at the fasting practices of most religions um it is about doing away with the excess so in islam you don't not eat for 40 days you don't eat during the day but you break the fast at mm-hmm, night mm-hmm. in christianity um it's very much about having a you know as simple a meal as you can and sometimes only having two meals or one meal a day Of course there are people like the desert fathers and other great mystics who fast for a long period of time only drinking water and the idea behind the fasting is as i said connecting you to god um but people who really enter enter into the practice with devotion mm-hmm. will tell you how it brings new enlightenment yeah. so a new understanding of god um yeah. in the christian sense Uh, in the Hindu sense, in the Buddhist sense, and is um, and also within Islam. Again, this is also you know this is something that also uh, uh, is there very present in the African um, traditions. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, let, let's talk about you talk about enlightenment, and I want us to probe a little bit into that because those who are non-believers will tell you. When I say non-believers, I don't mean non-Christian believers. I mean those who are skeptics um, will often tell you, no, you you're just hallucinating. I mean you're starved and so on and yet those who are in that moment would tell you about what is as you said an enlightenment of sorts talk to us about that connection yeah so um at one point uh in my career i was doing quite a lot of work on um medieval mystics and mm. fasting mm. and uh, that got me reading more about fasting and um from the perspective of health practitioners mm-hmm. um there is a lot of literature mm-hmm. around the um healing aspect of fasting mm-hmm. and they talk about how people um sort of feel that they can think more clearly mm-hmm. uh once they have fasted this whole notion of detoxing the body and mm-hmm. all that sort of thing mm-hmm. and um you know I- i'm fascinated by that because I'm fascinated how religions bring um actually what we now scientifically see as healthy practices mm. into religious behavior because as you're saying I mean from ancient r- religions like African traditional religions and Hinduism you know some of the the most the oldest religions that we are that are still practiced today they have these practices of fasting um not in excess so that it makes you um so that it kills you mm-hmm. but such that your body is cleansed and um you know when 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 i was saying earlier when you look at fasting in the 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 cycles of life and the cycles of the year it's very interesting how in christianity for example you come out of the excesses of christmas and all of that and then a couple of weeks later really you move into this period of lent mm. um and so it sort of balances out the the excess gets balanced with um a, a time of 
of eating less. Mm. Uh, and so this is a long way of saying that um, a lot of completely secular um, nutritionists, and yes, there is debate around this, but those who believe in fasting, um, they will tell you that it has health benefits. And one of the health benefits is having this kind of clarity of mind mm. and being able to understand things anew. Mm. Let's take a quick break and let's go to Utsila Saku for the latest in the headlines at 1.30. Pimelo Mutine on SAFM. I don't think fasting should be uh, interpreted in lines of religion, either Christianity or Islam. But it should be interpreted in lines or be discussed in lines of spirituality. Uh, When you listen to the spirit, you are guided by the spirit that you need to fast for a particular period of time for you to overcome a particular challenge that you're facing in life. Then fasting will make sense to you if you don't involve religion, but you involve spirituality. Hello, Pumelo. I've understood fasting in a political way where fasting is basically um, a time or that the, the religious government used to make so that people don't overeat their food then in times of famine uh, have difficulties with with, with, with food security. That's how I view it because as the debtor was saying from um, that it's usually seasonal and then you don't want people to be basically uh, gluttons and, and finish, finish their food before uh, tough, very, very tough times. Oh, I love that analysis, Prof. The, the idea that it's very connected to um, governance and, and politics, that all of these were mechanisms so that people were able to manage themselves through famine or through, you know, winter seasons and so on. As, as you referenced, I think, at some point. Yeah, so that's what I was saying earlier, that, um, that, that you know, that's exactly the case. Mm. When you look at different religions, what times of the year are they asking people to fast? Mm-hmm. Um, very often it's connected to times of um, scarcity. Mm-hmm. So this, this period in the Northern Hemisphere is the period, um, you know, just after um, the beginning of January when your winter supplies are starting to run low mm-hmm. um, and you've got to make it through to the lambing season when there's new life and um, all the first spring flowers and and berries, etc., come out, and it's a real fallow time. And that's when we need people to be consuming as little as possible <laughs> so that we can all make it through until the next harvest. <laughs> um, Pastor Duma is calling from Durban. Good afternoon, Pastor Duma. Pastor Duma, good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon. You hear, can you hear me? Uh, now Pamela? I can. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. Thank yes. you very much. Uh, good afternoon to the professor. Um, fasting... Um, Generally, um, it would not really change God because if everybody fasted, then God would change, change, change. But uh, it just changes an individual that fasts. Mm-hmm. For instance, if I haven't eaten, sometimes I see myself behaving a lot better mm-hmm. or more uh, confined to 
myself <laughs> then when I'm full of this full of that and all that food now just finally I am 52 years old mm-hmm. in age I know for sure I have fasted in my life there was a fast that I did 14 days straight mm-hmm. just with water mm-hmm. but for the 52 years mm-hmm. beneficially to me I've not been to a hospital at all I have included fasting and praying. I'm not saying to everybody now, start doing what Pastor Duma has done. Mm -hmm. I've done that myself. That's the benefits that I have acquired due to fasting and praying. So let let me ask you this. You spoke about the health benefits, and I want to park that because you spoke about the hospital. Let's talk about your connection to fasting because you have also mentioned prayer. Yes. Talk to me about that, what that does for you. It, what, what it actually does, it, like I, I, I've already uh, alluded, mm-hmm. that it, it draws me closer. It mm-hmm. makes me a more quieter person. Mm-hmm. I don't become a jumpy person, especially when, when you have a, a meal mm-hmm. or some whatever you've had. You become a different person. A bit of euphoria jumpy. kicks in. Yo, 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 you <laughs> kicks in and energy kicks in yes. and, 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 and testosterone kicks in. Yes. But when you fast, you fast, mm. you, you tend to listen to yourself better. Mm. You tend to also hear better. Mm. In a conversation generally with anybody, when mm. you have fasted, you tend to listen much better mm-hmm. than when you are full. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and, and when you, I mean, you spoke about your 14 days, but when you fast generally, is it always absolute abstinence and absolute, you know, avoidance of food or food? We've done for, for as a church yeah. well, what we call a Daniel fast, mm-hmm. where we eat only fruit mm-hmm. and we consume um, maybe, say, water mm-hmm. or juices. Mm-hmm. We've done that. Mm-hmm. But then the one that I did, I would have taken that from what the Lord Jesus himself did according to scripture. Mm. He never ate for 40 days and 40 nights. Mm -hmm. But that's another story for another day. Thank you so much for your take there. Let me take a break and I'll be back with more. Life Happens with Pinelo Mutine. Professor Maria Framap is an associate professor in the Department of Religious Studies at the University of Johannesburg. We're discussing the origins of fasting in, in different disciplines, in different religions, in different cultures and belief systems. And I know one of you sent a message saying, no, it's not about religion, it's about spirituality. Well, actually, the discussion is not about either or. It's about fasting. So if for you it's about spirituality, that's good for you. For others, it's about religion. So, I mean, I think each to their own. Um, Prof, the voice, the, the, the call that we had before we went to the ad break, um, mm-hmm. uh, Pastor Duma, you want to respond to that? Yes, I, I thought he picked up on um, something that was so lovely. The idea that when we fast, um, it also begins to change our behavior. Mm. And that is very much something that is echoed in world religions. Um, the idea is that when we start to think about our food, um, particularly because we're not having so much of it, mm. it makes us more present. It makes us more intentional. It um, makes us more aware of what we're doing because it's very easy to... Um, You know, you eat on the go, you don't think about what you're eating, and it's all part of this constantly fueling yourself so that you can be living at this incredibly fast pace, 
in which you're very often actually quite out of touch with Mm. what's going on. Mm -hmm. And the idea of fasting is not that you should uh, skip a meal and keep working, but rather skip the meal or eat a very small meal and be more present, slow your mind down, become more intentional, be aware of what you're doing. Um, And then, you know, for those people for whom the spirituality and the religious part is very important, that's the time to really um, make your intentions known to God or listen and make yourself still so that you can hear God. You you wanted to touch a little bit on fasting and vanity. Right. Um, so are you sort of talking about it and the idea of fasting so that you can lose weight? And, Correct. Uh, yeah. Mm. Um, so there are very interesting studies about um, fasting, particularly in the Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. Um, where women were actually becoming quite anorexic through fasting. But this didn't have anything to do with vanity. Mm -hmm. It was much more because the only thing that they could control was the food that entered their bodies. Mm -hmm. The rest of their lives were controlled by men. Ah. So when they had um, sexual intercourse was determined by their husbands, Mm -hmm. which of course determined the children they had and Mm. when they fell pregnant Mm. and everything else that went on with their bodies was controlled by other people. Mm -hmm. Other people controlled whom they married. Mm. That the one thing that women had control over was the food that they put into their mouths. Mm -hmm. And so it became very much a um, zone of personal control, Mm -hmm. a way of... um, exercising their spirituality and their identity and for some women did begin to lead to problems of anorexia. Mm-hmm. Can it be futile? And, and I think you're, there is a bit of that that you're referring to now. Sorry, can it be? Can it, can it be futile, the exercise itself? Can it sometimes just be a futile exercise? Um, I think that is so dependent on the person. Mm, mm. So, so in other I, words, are there people who've ever, you know, from some of the literature you've come across, whether a time or, you know, a group of people who've actually ever said, you know, we, we did this and it was, you know, useless for us or it's not for us? No, it, that's such an interesting question because I've never, ever come across anyone who has said that. Mm. Um, and outside of the university, I also work as an Anglican priest. Yes. And, you know, in my community um, and in the religious communities that I study, when people talk about fasting um, and they've actually fulfilled the fast they wanted to, yeah. it's always been a meaningful exercise. <laughs> but when people have fasted for two days and given up, mm-hmm. uh, that's when the two days have felt like it was futile. Interesting. Um, I, I couldn't maintain it. And that's not to say that a two-day fast isn't in itself something that can bring value. Mm-hmm. But this was people who were you know, planning to fast for the 40 days of Lent or whatever, mm-hmm. um, got two days into it and then gave up. Mm. And, and I wonder if the, the, the issue there was more about the guilt rather than the fact that it didn't, you know, um, it didn't yes. do... It didn't yes, do and then, exactly, and then people start to feel guilty and... You know, there's also the question of your intentionality, Mm -hmm. which comes back to your question about vanity. Mm. Um, 
And I remember uh, when I was working as a youth pastor, you know, lots of young girls would say, oh, this is fantastic, we're going to lose weight. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they never lost Yes, Wait. I was going to say, you would, you would speak uh, you to know, a lot of and, people and who say we've, we've fasted and that was not the outcome. <laughs> you know, and so it, we'd have lots of conversations around um, the intentionality of mm. what we're doing. Um, because as a weight loss program, it's not particularly great. <laughs> there, there are better ways. <laughs> Let's take some voice note, Prof. From Eastern Cape. Send Funubula in Lanin. Send Funuxala or forty days, no forty nights without eating. Come on, guys. You want to starve to death. At the end of the day, you are going to be in health, a health issue. You are going to die from diabetes. Don't try to imitate things you hear about that you didn't even see happening. Don't try to imitate that. You are putting your own lives in, in danger for fasting for 80 days. Good afternoon. That is why they call it prayer and fast. That in the times that you would normally eat, you'd spend praying. And some people eat a lot or eat many times during the day. And when they pray instead of eat, their body, their spirit gets in tune with what God actually wants to say to them. That God is constantly speaking to us, but when we are focused on everything else in the world, like TV, like laptops, like cell phone, like food and all of those other things that our body desires and craves, then our spirit actually doesn't hear what God wants to say to us. So really, prayer and fasting is about us tuning the body and everything into God's promises and what God is saying. Okay, so it would be lovely if we all listened fully. Nobody said anybody must fast for 40 days and 80 days and whatever the case may be. It really would be nice. Um, Prof, uh, from up, your comments to the last caller? Last voice note? Yes, um, um, that is very much the way uh, fasting has been understood in most religions. Mm. That prayer and fasting go together. Um, which takes me back to the, you know, the, the young girls who were seeing this as a dieting program. Mm. I mean, that's not the idea of fasting. Mm, mm. The idea of fasting is about being intentional. It's about becoming more aware. And in that awareness, having more time to pray, um, really being still in the presence of God, um, bringing your supplications to God. And um, throughout the history of Christianity, for example, um, this is very much how prayer and fasting have been understood. And the two always go together. Mm. You wanted to talk about fasting, you know, in the midst of, of poverty, in the midst of, of difficult times. Yes. So in some of the churches that I'm working with at the moment, they are seeing COVID mm. um, and this year of COVID insecurity and some churches are talking about it as a year of rest. So this idea of the Jubilee every 50 years um, within Judaism and Christianity, mm -hmm. uh, you should not work. Mm -hmm. um, now, nobody's ever done it. Um, but in this space of tremendous um, unemployment, etc., mm -hmm. this church is saying, well, reframe your unemployment 
rather as a year of rest given to you by God. Mm-hmm. And um, many churches are looking at not having food and going into fasting from a place of poverty mm-hmm. and saying that um, this is a way to pray, to to pray that God will hear your pleas mm-hmm. for work, for food. Um, but it's a very challenging question um, in churches where you have people that literally don't know where their next meal mm-hmm. is going to come from mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and to say to them, now you must start fasting. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't have, how can you give up even more? Mm-hmm. And uh, in other churches, of course, the people who have many, many Christians, um, just as in Islam and other religions, uh, when people go through a time of fasting, they give the yeah. food that they would have given to other people. Mm-hmm. And um, that is very much a part of how fasting is understood in many faiths. Mm-hmm. You give up something in order to also practice the love of the divine to your fellow person. Mm-hmm. So um, if you give up your food in order for the street person um, to actually have a meal, mm-hmm. And and that brings a, a whole different dimension to fasting. Mm. So it's not just an inward thing, but it's also an outward expression of divine love. Mm. Some some more voice notes, Prof. Uh, very good afternoon to you, Pimelo. I mean, you've got to be very, very strong and really spiritually tuned up uh, for you to be able to um, to fast because it's it's very, very, very touchy and it really uh you know lifts one to the higher power uh, as it were so some of us that are not really tuned up in the whole uh, spirituality it, it's something that really i don't think we can be able to recommend because essentially what what it's doing is that you are being supported by the highest power and not by your your flesh and not by yourself and i i think it has to be something that that is done when there is some sort of a spiritual intervention that came about to a person not that a person just decides to to fast pirin alex thank you so so piri i think is suggesting that there should always be i suppose uh, somebody that assists you during your fasting period what are your thoughts on that you know, I suppose those who would feel that they are novices and, and they don't know if they have it in them to carry out the practice of fasting. Yeah, so what's very interesting, in most religions, you tend to do fasting collectively, mm-hmm. which really hits exactly this point. So um, in Christianity, it's the time of Lent. Uh, in Islam, it's Ramadan. Um, and, and so we can go on. Uh, and the idea is that we are doing it collectively, so there is that support of one another. Um, in most faiths, people who are ill should not fast um, and are exempted from fasting. And within Christianity, uh, it used to be that if you went on pilgrimage or were traveling, you didn't fast because these were dangerous things to do and you couldn't do them when you didn't have enough sustenance. Mm. So it is important that when you fast, you are in connection with somebody else mm-hmm. um, and ideally somebody who can guide you in the process. Because as the caller was saying, there is 
also a spiritual element to it for most people. Mm. And um, especially the people that I've worked with, Mm -hmm. if you really do fast with the intentionality and you follow it through, you will really start to hear from God. Um, You do actually begin to look at your life anew. And you need to have somebody that you can speak to about this, either a friend you know, who's within your faith community uh, or a leader within your faith community. Um, or if you are doing it in a secular way, uh, then you know, some health care or nutritional expert who's able to, to be with you in that process. We've got a voice note. Hi, Pimelo. You know, Pimelo, the issue of fasting, um, <clears throat> you, 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 you'll have different types of, of fasting. You have the dry fasting, you have the Daniel fasting, you have the wet fasting, you know. So the most easiest and common one is the Daniel fasting, where you fast for 40 days but in that 40 days it's not like you don't eat but uh, what you do is that you eat in the morning before six before six in the morning you eat and then the whole day you don't eat anything you just drink water and then you'll eat again after six in the evening that's 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 the simplest one to do prof the essence of what one can take away from a conversation like this. I mean, you, you hear and talking to us about the, the different um, practices that you've seen around um, fasting as this uh, SMS, um, this voice note was saying here. W- what is the one thing that you've seen has been common throughout as a common thread from all the religions, all the spiritual um, practices that you have come out with? So I think the thing that amazes me is how people who fast all tell a similar story. Mm-hmm. And that story is, it made me more aware of myself. It made me slow down and become more intentional. It made me think more clearly. And most people will talk about how spiritually something shifted or moved or they got an insight or they have a clarity. Hmm. That's really quite something. I mean, that, that yeah. is quite something. Let me take yeah. another voice note. Hi, this is Pumelo. It's Chico here. Yeah. I just want to contribute on your topic. What a topic. Uh, for me, I'm a believer also. It doesn't work when I do fasting with the mob, like with the whole church. But when I decide myself that I need to fast maybe for seven days, and energy really works for me, works very, very, very nice. So yeah, I just want to say fasting is a, a big tool for anyone to, you know, but you need to be dedicated to what you want. Thank you so much for a nice show. I think that's also interesting because I, I, I tend to agree with sometimes a peer pressure being, being an issue, Prof. Yes, but, uh, for sure. <laughs> and, um, you know, I think one of the things we, we also need to just be sensitive to 
is that um, our modern world moves at so many different paces all the time, and we are not linked into nature the way these old religions that we've been talking about were when they were started. Um, And for many people, this now, this time, was a time of anxiety. It was a time of really wanting to to pray for a good harvest and all those things that were on their mind. But in our world, you know, you might be getting to the financial year end in December and that might really be the time where you need intense prayer. So our lives are not so linked to the seasons anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why for a lot of people, fasting has most impact when they do it at a time that really meets their need in their life. There is something that I want to ask you about around behavioral practices at at the time of fasting that are often, uh, in fact, um, dictated uh, by the the authorities. So, you know, for some, and in, 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 I suppose, I think in, in Christianity, they would say, you know, do not mope. Um, I think in the Muslim community, mm. there will also be, I think in Islam, there are also things that you're not supposed to be doing to 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 change or alter the, the moment. So, you know, I, I think there is some things about perfume or whatever. But there are other things that go along with how you should fast and how you should conduct yourself and how you should all also not be making, I suppose, noise about the fact that you're fasting. Do you want to comment on that? Yes, so within Christianity, that's very important. Mm. So Christianity, you should go on with your normal life Mm. and nobody should know that you're fasting. Mm. But in many um, more ancient religions, there is an idea that with fasting, you, uh, for example, don't wear any makeup, Mm -hmm. you only wear very simple clothes, Um, you have a very pared down life, you don't wear any jewelry. So it's, it's all about kind of stripping, stripping the body. Mm. And in some practices, it would also be that you would stop working for the time that you are fasting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it becomes this very inward looking time of reflection and setting yourself apart. And um, that does vary very much uh, from religion to religion and then also practices within different religions. Mm. I want to thank you so much for your time and some of the insights that you've given us around the origins of fasting. Professor Maria from uh, ARP is an associate professor in the Department of Religion Studies at the University of Johannesburg. That will be available as a podcast. Two o'clock, let's go to Utsila Sagu for the latest in news.